Matthew 28. Let's go. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. It says, um, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me. I'm getting the feedback. Did you over-increase it? All power in heaven is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Is something else on? All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And he now says, In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And then the Father and Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. <clears throat> so we said that, um, uh, we said that uh, when he says teaching, uh, we said teaching is from the word batetio, and it means that uh, to uh, become a pupil, to make disciples, to involve, uh, to, to instruct, to teach. And we said, we, we had some key words we are looking at. We said, teach, right? Baptizing in the name of the, in the name and teaching, right? And we, we've done teach, we've done teaching, we've done in the name. And we said that, um, we said that the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost was not used by any author in the Bible. So, uh, personally, I would not use it uh, because... I'd rather follow the scripture, right? And if you are just to stay on the safer side, if you want to explain it to people, you just say, that word and in the Greek just means kai, and it means that is. It's just a repetition of uh, Father, Son, of the Holy Ghost. And um, so we, 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 we built a lot of doctrine on something that it's uh, no one in the right, in the scripture is. So now the question will now be, why is he now written this way, right? We're going to study it in a much later context when we are looking at Bible hermeneutics and seeing the, the usage of words. Uh, shall we, when we are doing a book study on Matthew, we'll look at the audience to Matthew. Why, why did Matthew write the way he wrote? What's, what was it about? So we'll look at that. All right, so um, now let's consider, let, let's look at the word baptizing. Um, its use, its practices, the teaching, the appraisal, and the words in the epistle. We're going to look at the grammatical analysis of it. We're going to uh, check it. So, like I told you, Bible study must be very systematic. It must be very patient. The, the work of the Bible, the work of a teacher or the preacher of the scripture, or the work of a pastor, let me use, is to make sure that he feeds his audience and teaches his audience the scripture, right? That's the work of the preacher of the gospel. So our work is not just to declare over people's life, which is good. Our work is to teach people. That's what Jesus did. That's what the apostles did. That is what Moses did. That is what men, even Abraham, that's what he did. That's what men in the scriptures did. They teach. So teaching of the gospel, it's a vital crux, or it's a crux of the gospel. It's... It, you can't take away the teaching element of the gospel out of the gospel. Because it, it's, it, I, I tell people, I say, God came down as a man and teach and taught men the gospel and taught men the scriptures. He didn't teach men from head knowledge. He taught men from Genesis to Malachi. He explained the scriptures to men. That's why you, when you read 
you, when you read the scriptures, you will see the you will see how that the scriptures were very. Um, uh, let me use the word. You see the intertextual corroborations of the scriptures, such that you can find each writers repeating each other as it was said in this, as it was said in this, as it was said in this. You just find all of those slants and scriptures just because each writers were writing and, like saying, repeating or repeating one another. So we said that what teach means to make disciples and uh, to. Uh, teach, explain, we say teaching them, we said teaching them means the dasko in the Greek and it means teaching and it means to, what did I say it means Seth? I said it means to explain or to learn, alright, to explain or to learn, alright, so let's look at word baptism and let's see, let's look at the grammatical analysis of this word, we're going to, uh, you should, if, for those of you that know I teach, we're teaching questions, I, 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 I kind of think, we, we, we look at questions, right? Why did this happen this way? Why did this do this? Why did this do that? Just because, so that, uh, to answer the kind of questions you already be thinking. So that's why I tell people, you have to be very patient. If you are listening to a series, you don't just, you start from the beginning, right? Uh, I think I, I, I in, the last, in the first session, I already told you why I started this way I started. I was like, I'm coming from the back, right? To explain and the practice all right look at look at let's so let's look at baptized or baptizing let's look at the word baptize or baptizing okay then we're doing some grammatical analysis we're, we're taking this in uh, proper shape and all of those things now the word baptized is translated from the greek word baptizo b-a b i think i need a more taller board b-a baptizo So, and it means, uh, it implies, uh, it's from the old Greek word, and it implies to splash upon, to cleanse, or to wash. To splash upon, to cleanse, or to wash. To splash upon. I remember I, I went to a Catholic um I went to a Catholic um, elementary school, and uh, uh, they uh, they had this practice. I think some you should know it, brother. There's a time in the year they just sprinkle water on people. Is, 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 is it, does it just happen? They do it every day, every Sunday. They just sprinkle water on people. You can't remember. Is uh, how many? It's just almost how many years? You say you can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember. Can you remember what you used to do when you were what you were born into? <laughs> they sprinkle. They sprinkle. I'm sure they must have sprinkled you almost all your life. <laughs> How can you not remember? Okay, okay. All right. So I remember then when we were much younger. Did it looks like fun to us when the father or the is it father or sister that used to do it? No, wait. My school was more of sisters. So, but there are times Reverend Father I'll do certain things that sisters cannot do. Is it true? That there are some things that Reverend Father can do and Reverend Sisters cannot do. I know it. Ah, I was very observant in that school. There's even a time, wait. There's even a time like in October period where we pray longer. Starting from 
September, October, that the, 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 the prayer will be longer. You know, this is how they used to do it then. Tum, in the, there's a bell that they used to ring it by 12 o'clock in the afternoon then. Tum, in the name of the Father. Tum, and of the Son. Tum, and of the Holy Ghost. We're not reading our rosary. Abby? Ah, why are you looking at me like I'm speaking in tongues? <laughs> I know, I'm speaking with you. Eh? School and church is different. Oh, so church practice is different from school practice. So they, 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 they deceived us in school. <laughs> I don't understand. So, but there was a period, there's a period that you people pray. So do you know why I know it? That's the time we ate most in the school, that period. Because that one will be praying for one hour. So break, prayer time or break time was 12 to 1 p.m. Other days, when you're supposed not to pray long, we just pray for five minutes. We don't read the rosary, the entire rosary for five minutes. And this other time, we'll be counting the rosary one by one and read the prayer. <laughs> oh, you don't know it. You do pray all the time. Oh, but you don't know. Oh, And they have good songs. Ah! They have good songs. There's this one. There's this one I can never forget. What can I offer to my Lord to make him happy? I don't know. What can I offer to my Lord to please him? I may give him the best of my shoes. He will not take it. I may give him the best of my house. He will not take it. A loving not. A caring not. He will love. It's the one that taught me that song. And I will never forget it. <laughs> you know. So, I mean, it's good, good stuff, right? I, I remember, as I'm teaching this, I remember um, how they used to sprinkle water on us when we were much younger. And we liked it. So, we run to the front. You know, we we're children there. We run to the front like, hey, 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 where my father? Where my father? <laughs> you know, pour the water on me. You know, you know. <laughs> I did not say, Father Bernardo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, we run to the front, we run to the front, we speak what I'm saying. So, uh, so we, we had a lot of things we did in this school. And uh, so, when I, so when I said baptizo, so a lot of people, so, so, so it's, it's from the Catholic world, I knew that the baptism doesn't necessarily have to be immersion. Because the word baptizo now in the Greek, so now, now why, why do we go into the Greek? Hope you know that the Bible was now. Hope you know that the Bible was written in Greek, right? The New Testament was written in Greek. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. So I taught you in Bible Hermeneutics Series One, and I said that what language did you just speak? Aramaic, Greek, right? Now, so that means that when they were talking about baptism in their world, they knew what they were saying. Now, it has now come into the English word. I told you, I've always told you, the English, English is, is, is one of the newest languages in the world. English, English is, not, is not the oldest language. No, it's one of the newest language. So a lot of, so one of the problems we're having now in scriptures now is translations in the, in the point of certain words are not used the way it's supposed to, then the, the, the meanings are not properly explained. So now, but when the Greek says, use the word baptizo, uh, so they, they know what they are saying. So they, they are saying, 
splash upon to cleanse or to wash. When they use the word baptizo, it means splash upon to cleanse or to wash. And it also means to immerse into. It can also mean to immerse into. But, so now look at the varied meanings of it, of this word baptizo. To cleanse, to splash upon, to wash. And it also, and it also means to immerse into. So that would mean that there's obviously to splash upon, to wash, to cleanse, to immerse into. So there's obviously something that water is doing or not necessarily even water. Because anybody can splash anything upon you. Anybody can use anything to cleanse you. You can use anything to wash your body, a bit to wash. And you can be immersed into anything. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, the word baptized, baptized with the Z, baptized. The word baptized is used 81 times in the New Testament book of the Bible. We're not going to go through the 81 times. I'll just, we'll just go through some. In the four Gospels, it was used 48 times. Now, observe, in the four, Gospels, the four Gospels have the largest usage of the word baptized or baptism, obviously. The four Gospels had the largest usage of it. And now, this therefore means that we have to look at the four Gospels with a proper explanation, with also the practice of the epistles, because the epistles shows us the church world. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, and I've always told you that the epistles is like, as most of the final authority of the scriptures because we'll see all of those things. So we have, so we, 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 we are about to take a very careful look at the scriptures and see what this splash upon means, cleanse, wash, immerse, right? This baptizo, all of those things. So because once we look at those things, it will give us a clearer understanding of how the words were used. Now let's look at just a few references in the, in, in the four Gospels. Like I said, we're not going through everything. But let's look at just some few. Look at Matthew 3, verse 6. We're going to go through... See, let me tell you in this series, I'm going to answer all the doubts in your mind as touching baptism. It's like I said, I, if you notice the way I teach, I teach in questions. Why did this do this? Why did this do this? By the time we get to those questions, you will know what I'm talking about. Now, so look at it. Matthew 3, verse 6. It says, And we're baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. I want you to, I want, please follow me carefully and I want you to think. Look at what they say. It says, They were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Look at Matthew 20, verse 22. Matthew 20, 22. He says that then Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Hope you know this is not talking about water. Hope you know. He says, Are you able to drink of the cup that I am that I shall drink of? And to be baptized with the baptism I shall be baptized with. And they say unto him, we are able. 
Ah, look at what he now says in verse 23. Ye shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with, but to sit on the right hand and on the left hand is not mine to give, but is given unto them which shall be prepared of my father. Put that somewhere. We're coming back. Look at Mark 1 verse 5. Mark 1 verse 5. He says, And they went out throughout all the land of Judea, and they of Jerusalem were all baptized of him in the, in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. See the tertiary corroboration again of that part we just read. Look at Mark 10, 38. Mark 10 verse 38. We're about to go into a good study, a beautiful, sweet study. Look at Mark 10, verse 38. The same thing we just read again. He said, Jesus asked them, Ye don't know what you ask. Now, what did they even ask? What did they even ask? Don't forget, this is the context of that story of uh, the mother, James and John, when the mother came to tell the mother, Jesus said, Guy, Jesus, let my, let my son sit in your left hand, let my son sit in your right hand. The Bible says, other disciples were jealous. So that means they had it in their hearts too. They wanted to sit. <laughs> they wanted to sit in the right hand. And Jesus was asking, ah, ah, do you know what you're asking of? I'm sure <laughs> when they saw the thief at the left hand and the right hand, <laughs> the thief clicked. <laughs> you know, that's not it, but. <laughs> but. <laughs> Jesus now told them, are you ready to be baptized? With what are we be baptized with? Ah, and they said, ah, what is it that? Is it not what? You know, their mind will first go to water. Ah, we saw you that time, I went John baptized you. You know, they say, Jesus asked them, you don't know what you ask. Can you drink of the cup I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And they said, we can. Ah, ah. Oh dear, this is not just normal, this all deep inside water. So. Then we can. He said, Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I baptize, and ye shall be baptized. <laughs> hey. You know, <laughs> they did not know what was coming. <laughs> we are coming back there. Look at Luke 3, verse 7. We're just looking at the text. And I'm showing you, I'm, I, I'm getting your minds thinking. Look at, look, look at Luke 3 verse 7. He says, and he said unto, and he said ye unto the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who had warned you to flee from the road to come. Look at Luke 7 verse 30. I'm just going through random text, right? Like I told you it was used... It's one times uh, in the New Testament book, and uh, forty-one times in the in the um, in the four Gospels, right? Forty-eight times, sorry, in the four Gospels. So um, I'm just going through random. Luke text. Look, look seven. Uh, look seven verse thirteen. Okay. He says, uh, and the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him. 
No, you know, this was not talking about water. I mean, it's talking about water here because if you look at it in verse 29, they're talking about John's baptism. And I'm going to explain John's baptism in this series too. Um, look at John 3 now. John 3 verse 22. Thank you, Lord. John 3 verse 22. It says, after these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and he tarried with them and baptized. All right, look at John 4 verse 40. John 10, sorry. Not John 4. John 10 verse 40. It says, and went away again beyond Jordan into the place where John at first baptized, and there he abode. All right, so now I know, so I just went through some random ones, uh, just because of time. Look at in the book of Acts, it was used twenty-one times in the book of Acts. The, the word baptize, baptism. Let's look at some references there in the book of Acts. Acts one verse five, it was used twenty-one times in the book of Acts. Let's look at uh, Acts one verse five. Says for John, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days ends, uh, and I want you to watch the emphasis. Like I said, I, I'm trying to get your mind thinking. Look at John eight verse twelve. John eight verse twelve. He says, "And when they believed, Philip preaching these things concerning the kingdom of God, and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men." And women. Look at Acts 16, verse 33. Acts 16, 33. Like I said, these are just random texts also. It was used 21 times in the book of Acts. Acts 16, verse 33. It says, And it took them the same hour and by night washed their stripes. And was baptized, he and all straight away. Alright, let's look at in the epistles. The word baptized was found 15 times in the epistles. It was found 15 times in the epistles. In the book of Romans, it was used twice. And both references were Romans 6. Let's look at it. Let's look at how it was used in Romans 6. In the epistles. I want you to be thinking, right? Right, guys? Okay. Now, look at in verse 3. Romans 6, verse 3. Let's read it together. I want to go. Oh, no one of you is there. See? See? Look at how you people have failed test. So that's how you just write scripture. I will be reading. You just say, a pastor has read it. <laughs> All right. Romans 6.3. Let's read it together. I want to ready go. Not that as many of you were baptized into Jesus. All right. Cool. Look at it in verse 4. And that's we were buried with him by baptism. Are you seeing? Are you seeing what is? Are you seeing how Paul is using this word now? So we're buried with him by baptism unto death, and just like as far out as the father as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. Okay, all right. So in the book of First Corinthians, it was used twelve times, with chapter one having the largest concentration, six times. Chapter one had the largest concentration six times. In the book of Galatians, it was used once also, right? because we have to be have an abreast study of the scripture. Let's look at, let's look at some other references 
in that first Corinthians. But if, if you read in first Corinthians one, you will see a lot of baptism. But look at him. Let's look at other point, other parts of first Corinthians. Look at first Corinthians 10, verse 2. First Corinthians 10, verse 2. Are you there? It says, and we're all baptized unto what? Moses in the cloud and in the sea. I want, you to, I want your mind to be thinking. It says, we're, it says they were baptized into Moses. Wow. Okay. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. It says, for by one spirit, we all are baptized into one body. It says, for by one spirit, we are baptized. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be born or free, whether we be made to drink into one spirit. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 29. 1 Corinthians 15, 29. It says, Else, what shall they do? What shall they do which are baptized for the dead? If the dead rise not at all, are they not all baptized for the dead? Are you seeing how it was used? Okay. Look at some, let's look at some further references in the epistles. Let's look at Galatians 3, 27. We're just doing, doing some analysis now. So doing some contextual stuff. Galatians 3, 27. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Look at how the right, look at how Paul used it. So as many of you are baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. So, and this, so now this is clearly saying that if you look at the, the analysis we have been making, that baptized was largely used in the four Gospels, which references to John Majorly. Uh, most of the references in the four Gospels was, was reference to John. And when I mean John, I'm not saying John the writer now, I'm saying John the Baptist. Now, and to, for us to properly explain it in the proceeding explanations, we would, we would look at certain things. Now, we have seen the word baptized. Now, let's see the word baptism. Hope you know what we've been explaining now has been baptized. Hope you know. Baptized, baptizing. Baptized, baptizing. Now, let's see baptism. The word baptism is used 22 times from Matthew to Revelation. Baptism was used 22 times from Matthew to Revelation, 12 times in the four gospel, 6 times in the book of Acts, 4 times in the epistles. That's the word baptism. Baptism was used 22 times from Matthew to Revelation. That's the entire New Testament. 12 times in the four gospel, six times in the book of Acts, four times in the epistles. Let's look, let's look at some references in the four gospels on the word baptism. Look at Matthew 21, 25. Matthew 21, 25. Four times in the, 12 times in the four gospels, six times in the book of Acts, four times in the epistles. Matthew 21, 25. Okay, are you there? This is the baptism. You've seen the word there. Baptism of John was, whence was it from heaven or from men? The baptism of John. He used the word baptism. Mark 11.30. Mark 11.30. He says the same thing. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? It's like a question. Say, answer me. Was it from heaven or from men? <laughs> uh, look at Luke. 
4. Luke 20 verse 4. We're just looking at certain places. Luke 20 verse 4. The baptism of John. Was it, was it from heaven or from men? Are you seeing those intertextual corroborations that I always use? Alright, look at the, the book of Acts. Uh, at 18.25. It says, This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he thought diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. Uh, that was that guy, Apollos, knowing only the baptism of John. All right, look at in the Epistles, Ephesians 4, verse 5. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So oh, we bless you, Lord. Ephesians 4, verse 5. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Colossians 2, 12. No, this is this is Bible story. I like how you are writing, flipping pages, checking the scripture. That is allowed to be serious with the scriptures. Not that uh, we are looking for one mystery and contaminating scriptures from escapulating uh, escapulate scripture from this day. this is just it just be baptized just <laughs> that's how some do this see Jesus baptized you know someone say what is what you are just doing just a Greek or Hebrew and it was using this one say whoa Jesus baptized. Jesus. <laughs> Some people are just lazy. Oh boy. <laughs> Whoa. You just be baptized though. This was your day. Remember that reference is it was just the epistle. It was just <laughs> Okay. Colossians 2 12. It says buried with him in baptism. Wherein ye are risen with him through faith. Alright, look at First Peter 321. First Peter 321. It says, like the, the like figure unto even baptism doth even save us. So now you see the four gospels, the practice of baptism was attributed to the individual called John the Baptist. So if you read the four Gospels properly, that practice of baptism was attributed to that guy, the prophet called John the Baptist. So on, on understanding his use of words baptism, we clarify his meaning to us. But if, if we can just understand the use of the word baptism, we clarify the meaning to us. Now, the first question I want to ask you is, who is John? Let's let's start let, let's start let's start our understanding. Let's start our understanding from who is this guy called John the Baptist? Luke 1 verse 17. So you know I told you I, I like I want us to answer this in questions, right? Now, so let's who is John? Let's go. Luke 1 verse 76. Luke 1 76. Luke 1 76. And who is who, who should that writer will tell us about Luke? Is, who is that writer will tell us about John? It will be Luke now. The guy, the guy did this research well. Luke was a disciple of Jesus. Luke was a disciple of Paul. And he did his research properly. 
and um, he submitted this. This I, I can call the book of Luke and the book of Acts a a research project submitted to an audience of one, and that's Theophilus. Because if you read in Luke one, he said uh, he said he said those things which we began to do. Look at the verse three, Luke one verse three. He said it seemed good to me, having had a perfect understanding of all things which I have written. Or that Theophilus. He now wrote in book in Act one again. Look at Act one. Just put your hands in that look one anyway. But look at Act one. He now wrote again in that in Act one. You know, you know, Luke wrote the book of Acts and the book of Luke. He now wrote in Act one. He now says the former traitors have written O Theophilus. So he was writing to Theophilus, and that's let me tell you the history about it, the background history of it. He was writing to Theophilus because Paul was in prison. So it was like a defense. So you know what Luke did. Luke was that student that want to impress. So you know what Luke did? Luke used the entire book of Luke to start with Jesus' story. Start with, he gave us, only Luke gave us the, the history of uh, Mary Margaret, uh, the Elizabeth, Zachariah, the cousin of Jesus, how that John the Baptist was even the cousin of Jesus, uh, Hannah the prophetess. Luke gave us those details. He walked us through everything. You know, in Luke 3, there was not another genealogy like Matthew. There was another genealogy again. He walked us through it, giving us everything. Told us how Jesus died, how he buried, how he rose again. Then he now started his writings again. Walked us through the precedent of how Jesus ascended. Walked us through us too. Walked us through everything. Then look at what he now did it. Starting from Acts 9, he now introduced Paul. Ah, that, those writings are very intellectual and very, very interesting to me. He now introduced us to Paul. Gradually, gradually, he let Peter fade away. You know, they now told us how Peter, uh, after that issue that happened with that 12, uh, Peter moved from that city. They did not introduce Peter again. At 13, you will now see how they prayed. Supreme Paul and Barnabas, so they all came to accord them. From there, you just see that Paul ministry all through to the book ended. The major journey of Luke was to explain, was to defend Paul. He was his disciple. He was his, he was his student. So he was writing to Theophilus, who was going to probably judge his case or something and say, see, guy, look at this thing we are preaching. It started from Jesus. We did not just wake up one morning and he did the defense properly. I would to God that when we write books or material someday, we'll be able to, uh, we'll be able to put things that way. Because when you read intellectuals like um, Daniel, the book of Daniel, Isaiah, you, you'll be amazed at the, look at even Paul. You know, I tell you till tomorrow, I say, this, the, the, the writings of the scriptures are written to their audience. They never intended that we'll read it. If Paul imagines that, you and I will read um, um, Ephesians today, Colossians, he would have added more things. He would have put, but look at those writings that they wrote. And is now being of a blessing to us today. It's God's wisdom anyway, but imagine the intellectual things they wrote, such that you and I's faith is hinged on what they wrote. Look at Moses. You know, till tomorrow, everybody is still thinking that there's a physical serpent who spoke, but that was an intelligent writing, using images, figures of speech to explain realities to, to, to people. You know, and it's, it's just so amazing when you see... So I tell people, I say, the knowledge of the scripture makes you even intelligent. Because you can't, you can't, you can't imagine uh, 
reading the scripture and studying. And that's why I said, if, if, if all you do is just escape, uh, what did I use that the other day? Escapulate scriptures. <laughs> I just put it, this one means, whoa, just baptize. <laughs> this is what you are saying from the epistle of Jesus. You're not going to, you're not going to be, you're not going to be smart spiritually or scripturally. You can't. Look, imagine. See, look at something. Do you know that the disciples of Jesus, they didn't learn. Jesus taught them. They didn't write immediately. Hope you know. Hope you know that Jesus will obviously not have taught Matthew. This began this. This began this. From Matthew 1. Matthew went to do his research. Matthew has studied the Genesis to Malachi, the Old Testament. Matthew has studied that and he was able to trace it properly. Walk us through it. Gave us the words of Jesus. Link it to what the prophets were saying. That was an intelligent study. But today, we just have uh, quack, quack Christians, quack, uh, oh, uh, you, you go to church sometimes, even to call scripture, go, they will just, they will just call the scripture, so they do not look like they no call, <laughs> they don't call the scripture, so they don't look like they no call scripture. They just, and it's their mind they really want to see. It's their mind they will say, they just, so, look at it in Psalm. Oh Lord, I wake in my soul. That <laughs> no, I don't leave my soul here. <laughs> I did get here. Who was John? Uh, John 1, Luke, sorry. Luke, <laughs> Luke 1, 76. Let's look at this guy called John. Because if we can, because don't forget what I told you. In the four Gospels, the activity of the baptism was related to him. Right? Right? Remember what I did? Now, so let's look at who he is. Look at in verse 76. Luke 1 verse 76. It says, Thou and thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest. Thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. He says, to give the knowledge of salvation unto his people by the what? You guys are not reading. By the what? Remission of sins. Now, look at the, look at, look at the, the prophecies that was hanging on the life of John. Let me read it again from verse, 40, from verse 76. It says, Thou shalt, and thou shalt, shall be called the prophet of the highest. Thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give the knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of God, whereby the day spring on the eye has visited us. In verse 79, to give light unto them that sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide their feet and the way of their peace. Wow. So, look, look now I want you to think. This, are the, this is the prophecy that is hanging on the life of John. So we can simply call John as a prophet, right? And his work is to give people remission of sins. The same thing we are going to even do. The same thing Jesus is going to do. Are you seeing it? Okay. Observe something carefully. Now, this is it. Because in verse 18, as his child grew and was strong in spirit and was in the desert until the day of the showing forth into Israel. So, John was called a prophet. Now, how was he called a prophet? Now, let's observe how Jesus described him. Matthew 11. Go to Matthew 11, verse 7 to 11. Matthew 11. I've told you, Bible study must be what? Systematic. 
must be very patient. We are not rushing anything. We must see it together. All right, look at Matthew 11, verse 7 to 11. You should be there, right? Yes, sir. Right, guys? Okay, cool. All right, look at Matthew 11, verse 7 to 11. It says, as, And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitude concerning John, What went ye out of the wilderness to see? A rich shaking with wind. But what went ye out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment. Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in the king's house. But what, what went ye out to see? A prophet? I say unto you, more than a prophet. So Jesus called John a prophet. Look at it in verse 10. For this is he whom is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face to prepare thy way before thee. That's what we just read now. You see, the short form is now written. See why you have to read the entire books together. So you see how the writers are writing. It's not the way. Now, if, if, if Matthew wanted to do it now, Matthew will write the entire thing that Luke said. So you see that Luke, uh, out, I'll, I'll, tell you to be, I'll tell you to be frank, to be, to be sincere. Out of the synoptics, out of the synoptics, Luke is the most detailed. If you want to really understand any story among, in the old synoptics, just go to Luke account. Luke account was more detailed. Because the guy is a doctor. Obviously, <laughs> his knowledge would help him to... to and you can't, work, you, you can't actually be discipled by Paul and not be detailed also. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that will also help him. So, so notwithstanding, now very, very I say unto you, among ye that are born of women, they are not arisen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom and, and greater than he. And this scripture that everybody used to say, uh, from the day of John the Baptist until now, until now. The kingdom of God suffered violence. And violence So that's it. So, brethren, we're in the days of violence. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> we're going to study this text later. Okay. So, Jesus spoke of John and called him a prophet. So, in the Old Testament, the prophets were known by what they said concerning Christ. A true prophet is known by his utterances, by what he says concerning Christ, what he says concerning the gospel. That's why today now you have prophets prophesying about football matches, uh, prophesying about uh, if Chelsea is going to lose. Chelsea is obviously going to lose the league in the name of Jesus. Arsenal is not winning in Jesus' name. <laughs> I prefer that, at least we mind you, we are not aiming for the cup. We are, we are, we are okay with our third. Uh, we are not aiming. Next year, next season we can win, but Chelsea should not win. Chelsea cannot, it's not even possible. But Arsenal should not win because they will be more proud. So let Man City, that is very neutral to everybody, let Man City win. But uh, I like, yes, this match, how they dealt with Arsenal very well. Uh, <laughs> I was so happy. I was like, Southampton from down. Everybody was going to collect in this Premier League. So, uh, <clears throat> those of you that don't watch for boys, you don't know. People are only watching uh, they watch soccer. They are only watching um, Super Girl. <laughs> Just uh, okay. Um, man, you will trust God. We will. All man, you fans in the building. Go. Yeah, man, you fan. Ah. 
Red Devils. Yes. GGMU. Glory, glory, man, you. It's not God will punish you. <laughs> it's GGMU. Glory, glory. See, our word is even in the scripture. Glory, glory. In the temple, we all say glory. See? See, I can explain it very well. I can escapulate scriptures. <laughs> Just all right. Back to Christ and baptism. Okay, so the prophets in the scriptures were no concerning their utterances about Christ, not concerning election. Or who we win, or who we not win. They say Trump will win the election. In our very high, they say, they don't worry, Trump is coming back for second term. In our very high, 51% be by the one. They say, uh, Trump is going. That's at that time, so they say, Hillary is our president. In fact, all the, there was no prophet that I heard that said Trump will win the election. Everybody was like, Hillary, this, this is a time. The Lord is raising a woman. The, the, Lord, the Lord is raising a woman to lead the America. And like, ah, 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 ah. In our very high, you and I woke up to Trump. <laughs> some, of you, some of you did not even sleep. Like me, I didn't even sleep. I had to watch. In our very high, Trump gave his attestant speech. All of us were just saying, oh, don't worry. Like, yeah, somewhere, somewhere in our mind, we just used to think that. Um, um, it's a lie. They will collect the thing from him. The guy did the four years and nothing happened. He said, oh, we feel you. Know, we feel. We all of us said, just like how Sinubuna has entered now in Nigeria. He said, don't worry. Obi, Obi what? Obi is not smelling that place. Obi cough. Obi kwekuni. <laughs> I said, me, I, me, I supported Tinubu with him. So, uh, uh, all the prophecies say, say, don't worry. Um, say, I see, I see. Obedient taking first. Uh, article taking second. Obedient, we will not take. I, <laughs> I was just looking at that. I, I told you before, I said, it's not possible. Oh. Hmm. In May 29 is almost coming. 39 days, 37 days more. He will be sworn in. Nobody will impeach him. He will do his four days. Someone say, interim government will come and take over. Military government will come. As you are praying for military government, do you know what military government did to the system of Nigeria? I, I mean, I, I'm a history person. You know. I, do you know? Do you, have you heard stories of Babangida and Abasha's time? You're not saying you want military government to come and take over again. My fellow Nigerians, that's how they don't start. That's how they don't start their their group. You don't see them on TV. Fellow Nigerians, government has changed. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Let's say you want it there. Nigerians, ah, how people were prophesying. Prophecy was flowing all over the place. And those people, prophets, they've never prophesied that. They've never seen the move of God before that. I just sense that we should do more evangelism. They've never seen it before. But anything that will put money in their pocket, uh, say, you know, I see the next president of Nigeria. Uh, they play. Jesus did, in fact, let me explain something to you. I don't know why I'm saying this. This is not even part of my. Maybe I should focus on myself. Let me say it. <laughs> Jesus did not fuck about the political area of his time. He did not. In fact, 
But John the Baptist, who was calling them generations of vipers, calling them all names, that was why they beheaded him. I'm not joking. That was why. The last question, after the, upon the ascension, before the ascension of Jesus, the disciples were still asking, when again will you restore the, the kingdom to Jerusalem? Act 1. They were still asking the question. Because they were wondering, they wanted him to be, let me tell you, that's why you see that the Jews have issues with the gospel somehow. Because they wanted him to be a political messiah, a social messiah, and an economic messiah. They wanted him to be that messiah who we talk about, who will rescue them from the tyranny they are going into. Now, look at the world that Jesus was born into. Jesus was born into um, a world where Herod can wake up in the morning and kill all the firstborns. Or the May child. That was a tyrannical era. So, what they wanted, or their imagination of a savior, was a savior who will save them from their present problems. Are you guys following me? They wanted a savior who will save them from that present problems. But when Jesus came, and all he was just doing was healing the sick, when going about doing good, healing those who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Even the disciples himself were confused. They didn't know he was going to die. He kept telling them about their death, but it didn't make sense to them. He kept telling them, see, you know, I will die, this and that. But they know you will die for what? What are you dying for? If I thought you want to die for anybody, you know, they, it didn't make sense to them. They wanted his evil. He did not speak. Even the closest they wanted him to speak, they gave him a question. And said, should we pay tax to this? He gave them an inscription. He said, who is this? Caesar. <laughs> he went to Caesar. What belongs to Caesar? <laughs> he did not. But in our whole world, pastors suddenly, it's, it's, it's an abuse on, on pulpit to, that I should tell you who you should vote for. It's an abuse. You should have your, why am I teaching you the scriptures if you cannot think and if you cannot make your choice? Even God allows man makes his own choice. Then you know, I, I saw on, on Twitter, they, they say, pastors must declare publicly who you should, are you, since, when did you become God? I'll be the scripture, I'll be the advocate of who, what, who you, the special advisors to the pastors in the body of Christ. How? The pastors must tell us and, and stand on their pulpit to tell the people, who, who are you? Jesus did not do it. He didn't. He didn't. Even when the Pharisees asked, even when you go to, see, to the pilot, they asked him questions, he did not talk. That was not his job. His job was to come and seek and save the lost. He did it. Okay, let's take it to the epistles. Or let's take it to the, to, to, the, um, to the church world in the book of Acts. Peter was their leader. How many times did Peter criticize the government? None. When they face persecution, the next thing they do is to go and pray. Another time we will see another thing will be Romans 13. When Paul started talking about, and that was Rome. Rome had a strong Roman Empire. 
Paul couldn't even go to Rome very well because he had to tell them, see, pay tax, respect the government, pay your dues, do all of those things. He had to tell them very well in Rome. He told them to even obey the authorities. But today, you see prophets, the next president of the United States of America is in the Diamaka. <laughs> She's the one chosen and ordained of the Lord. Really? If it is the Lord that chose, why are we still voting? Well, just very easy. Say it's the Lord that chose. Eh? And we will vote for who God chose. And in the voting, they will still be regio for who God chose. <laughs> we, are just, we are just, we are just, we Christians need to wake up and think. If God chose somebody, we don't have to vote. The person will just appear. <laughs> All of us will just wake up in the morning every day and just say, he's our president. We don't have to vote. We, we cho God chose him and we will vote. We will cast our vote. As God chose him. Oh, like, that's not God's word. God's word designs how the next person in your street, your neighbor, your friend, even your workplace will be saved. That's all that concerns God. Please, I've backslidden again. I, I, I've been backsliding in this series. Please take me back to the faith. Where did I? A true prophet is known by his utterance. Okay, a prophet is known by his utterance. Okay, cool. So, John was a prophet and was known concerning the prophecies of Christ. Let's look at prophecies concerning Christ. Luke 24, Luke 24, 25. Luke 24, verse 25. It says, And he said unto them, O fools, are slow of heart to believe all that the prophet has spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expanded unto them in the scriptures the thing concerning himself. So, so what Moses said, what the prophet said concerning the scriptures were about himself. You read in John 1 verse 45, search the scriptures for them you think you have eternal life for the day which testify of me. John 1 verse 45. No, that's not John 1 verse 45. That's John 5 39. Um, John 1 verse 45, Philip founded Nathaniel and he says... Uh, um, I found him of whom the prophet has spoken about. That's John 1 45. Let me check it to be true. John 1 45. Yeah, Philip found him. Natalia said, We found him who Moses in the law and the prophet Zerite, Joseph of Nazareth, son of Joseph. John 5 verse 39. Such description for you. Then you think you have eternal life for the day which testify of me. First Peter 1 verse 10 to 11. Searching of which, searching of what manner of prophets. The scriptures did indeed testify. First Peter 1 10. What the prophet did prophesy of which is to come. Such a what manner of time the Spirit of Christ would testify the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Second Peter 1 verse 2 Peter 1 20 says, uh, no prophecy of Christ is of private interpretation. Uh, but only men of old spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So you see those things. The prophet spoke about the sufferings of Christ and the glory that will follow. So uh, the best way to know the prophecies about Christ or the prophecies in the scriptures is that the prophet will speak about the sufferings of Christ 
and the glory that follows. So let's go back to our Matthew 11. Um, Jesus described John as the greatest of all prophets. Why? Why was he described as the greatest of all prophets? Now, recall something that all the prophets spoke and they were known by their speaking, right? John, however, did not only speak. His ministry also showed Christ. Are you getting me? Now, when we say prophets now, we are talking about Abraham. We are talking about uh, Isaiah, David, Jeremiah, Abakuk, Nahum. Are you getting what I'm saying? The prophets. Now, why was John called the greatest prophet? Don't forget, other prophets were known by their speaking. John also spoke. But John's ministry also showed Christ as the one who will think. He says, this is the one who will take away the sins of the whole world. So John's ministry was to show Jesus to the Jews. So that's why he said in his ministry that I must increase, I must decrease while he must increase. John 3 verse 30, where says I must increase and he must decrease. So he said that, you know, look at some people, uh, don't let me say what I want to say. All right, so <laughs> see, I must increase, I must decrease so that he will increase. Well, I've heard those things in so many things, but I'll, I'll keep my cool. Now, no, so, look at in John 1 verse 29. Notice something in John 1 verse 29. Are you enjoying this, guys? Are you learning something? All right, cool. John 1 verse 29. It says that, And the next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh the sin of the old world. So, the book of John gave a more precise documentation of what occurred at Jordan when Jesus approached John. That is, I mean, John the Baptist now, to be baptized of him. He says, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh the sin of the world. When he says, Behold, Behold is from the Greek word, I-D-E, and it implies to take note of, to observe. In layman term, it means see the Lamb of God. So John showed the Jews who Jesus was. So he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh. The word taketh is translated from the Greek word hiero, H-A-H-A-R-O. And it's, 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 it means, it implies to bear, to remove, to put away. To bear, to remove, to put away. Says, which take it. So that is, now observe, take note of this. This is the Lamb of God, which take it the sin of the world. Now, the word sin is from the Greek word amatia. You know that. Uh, H. Amatia uh, in the Greek. H A M A R T I A. No, there's no. And it means to err, to miss the mark, to wander away. To err, to miss the mark, to wander away. So he says, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And uh, we said that word sin, from the word amateur, it means err, to miss the mark, to wander away from. When it says world, word is from the Greek word cosmos, 
and it implies inhabitants, that is, and it includes persons and things and activities in the world. And so it therefore means that Jesus is the one who comes to put away, to bear the sins of the inhabitant of the earth, that is man. So the work of Jesus is that he came to bear the sin. There was only one thing Christ came to do, to seek to die for the sins of men. That was, his, that was what he came to do. So John showed the Jews and said, John see Jesus coming and said, See the Lamb of God which taketh the sins of the world. Now let's look at John's ministry a bit. Let's look at John's, John the Baptist's ministry. Because we have to understand, there's a question that we're going to get to in this series. We have to understand, why did John baptize with water? Did Jesus endorse his baptism of water? What is he doing? What was the significance of what he was doing? What's the essence of all of those things? So let's look at John's ministry. We've already settled the fact that John was a prophet, right? Yes, sir. We've settled the fact that the, one of the reasons why he is the greatest prophet is because he did not just only speak, he showed Jesus to the Jews, right? So he was the only prophet who could say, this is the guy I'm talking about. Are you seeing it? Others were just talking, but John was the only one who said, this is, who, this is the person I'm talking about. Now, let's look at let's look at some let's look at a brief just a brief look at John's ministry. It's brief but it's not really brief. Look at Matthew 3 verse 1 to 16. Matthew 3 verse 1 to 16. It's a long read, but let's do it. Matthew 3 verse 1 to 16. Okay. So he says in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. I want you to follow this conversation very well. Follow this reading very well. It's going to help us in our study. He says, In those days, John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of common air, and leather gadu abound about his loins, and his meat was locust and wild honey, and di- and went out unto in Jerusalem and all Judea and the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. And when he saw <clears throat> many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generations of vipers, who had warned you to flee from the rocks to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits meet for repentance, and will think not to say within yourself, We have Abraham to our father, and say to our God, Able, we say, I will say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise children unto Abraham. And now, also is the axe laid unto the root of the trees, and therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth fruit is healed and cast into fire. In verse 11, look at this very well, very key. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. Let's read the next thing. Now, who is, who is the one that is coming? Jesus. Okay. He that is coming, uh, who should and worthy to unbear, he shall do what? So, okay, if I've, now, this, we've not gotten anywhere in this series though, but just in proper thinking, if Jesus, if it is Jesus we are worshiping, right, and Jesus that we are to follow, 
what is Jesus' work going to do? So now, when he, now just, I'm fast tracking for you now. When he now said in Acts 1 verse 8, uh, 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 tarry in Jerusalem until you be a due power and um, what did he say in Acts 1 verse 8? After the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. No, that's not what he said. Look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. For don't truly baptize with water. He now says, but ye shall what? Baptize what? Many days ends. Okay, cool. Just keep that in your mind. Alright. So he now says, the one I'm not, the one who is coming after me, whose shoes are worthy to bear, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire, whose fan is in his hand, he will thoroughly purge his flour and gather his wheat into the Ghana, and he will burn with shafts the unquenchable fire. And then commend Jesus from Galilee unto Jordan, unto John, to Jordan, unto John, to be baptized of him. And John forbade him, see it. John forbade him, saying, Ah, I have need to be baptized of thee, ah, and comments thou to me. He said, Me, I'm even, <laughs> me, I even want to be baptized of you. You are coming to me. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Just pay attention to what Jesus was saying. So far it so be now, for thus it becometh for us to fulfill all righteousness. Eh. And he suffered him. So Jesus was like, You must do it, too. you will do it. So that shows that he did not just go into the baptism. And John just baptized. John wrestled and said, No. Ah, you are the one that's supposed to baptize me. And Jesus had to. John, Jesus had to persuade the guy. Say, Whoa, don't disgrace me here. <laughs> Just baptize me fast, fast. And let me go. And in verse 16, Jesus, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight out, straight away out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning upon him. And says, This is my beloved son. Saying, and low a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. So now, three other accounts of the same event are recorded in the gospel. Let's look, let's read Mark's account. We've read, read Matthew's account, right? Let's read Mark's account. Mark 1. Another read again. Okay. okay. Mark 1. Let's start from verse 2. Mark 1, verse 2. two. I, I want you to be thinking, all right? Right, guys? You thinking? Okay, cool. Mark 1 verse 2, it says, And it is written in the prophet, saying, Behold, I send my messengers before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. And the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness to preach the baptism of repentance for the remissions of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem, and, all, and we all baptized of him, in the, we, in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel hair and with the garden of the skin about the lions. And he did eat locusts and wild honey. And priests saying, There comment one that I, after me, and the latches of whose shoes am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he, shall be, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And in those days, Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee, I was baptized in John. Baptized of John in the Jordan, and straight away came up out of the water and saw the heavens opened, 
like a dove descending upon him, and the voice saying, That by the Lord's son, in whom I am well pleased. All right, look at Luke account, Luke 3. Let's read Luke account. Luke 3, verse 2 to 9. There's no rush in Bible study. I've always told you, it's systematic and patient because you have to observe everything carefully. All right, look at in Luke 3, verse 2. It says, Anias and Cephas, being the high priest of the word of God, unto John, the son of Zacharias. And I told you that Luke is, is very detailed. What's our business with all this one? Now, Cephas and high priest, the word of God is John. He has it, John, the son of Zacharias. <laughs> the guy is just too detailed. Uh, it says, came into all the country of Jordan, preaching the baptism of remittance for the remissions of sins. Luke seemed to use the word remissions of sin a lot. Um, Look at verse 4, as it is written. See, Luke gave us where it was written. In the words of Isaiah, the prophet saying, The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the straight way of the Lord, um, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled. You know, no writer give us this, every valley shall be filled. Every, shall be filled. every, every mountain and the hill shall be brought low. The crooked way shall be, you know, you know that thing that we used to say, the Lord will make all your crooked way straight. Okay. See now, see what you see. This is a prophecy concerning John the Baptist. You, you are trying to say God will make your own crazy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> see, so, so, see why Bible is supposed to be explained well. A lot of a lot of us are explained this in context. This is a prophecy. Everybody shall read it. Let me let me not talk. For the Lord will make your crooked way straight. Okay, okay. He will make it straight too. I'm not saying he's not going to make it straight. He's going to make it straight too. <laughs> everybody shall be filled, everybody shall be healed, shall be brought low. The good way shall be made and the rough way shall be made smooth. And all flesh. Look at the, you know, so, the, 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 so now, what was the context of that place? Look at, don't forget, there was no full stop there. There's a colon, meaning the statement is not handed. It says, all flesh has sealed the salvation of God. See, I'm even so tempted. I want to take you to, um, to where this was really written. Let's go to um, Isaiah, 6, Isaiah 40. Uh, I, I, and I said I don't want to talk. Oh. Why am I doing this? But I've done it already. Let's go there. Isaiah 40. Alright. Isaiah 40 verse 3. Let's see it. Because, let, let, why, why am I showing you this? I'm showing you the dangers of wrong interpretations of scriptures. Because if we just use the statement, uh, because of something. Because all flesh, we see the glory of God. We see salvation. It's not, it's not just the crooked way of your, of your life. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, let's, let's, let's see how Isaiah wrote it. Because you see it at corroboration now. They had to pick it from Isaiah. Let's see Isaiah, Isaiah 40 verse 3. The, the voice of the Lord cries in the wilderness, prepare ye the, street, the word of the Lord, make straight to the desert, the highway of our God. Look at it in verse 4 and see it now. It now says, every valley shall be exalted. And every mountain of the hill shall be made low. Every crooked way shall be made straight. No, wait, wait, wait. Let's start from verse 1. Comfort ye, comfort ye the people, say the Lord. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. Cry unto her that her warfare shall be accomplished and the iniquities shall be pardoned. For she shall receive the Lord's hand double of all her sins. Ah, you know, it's like, a, it's like saying, look at what is going on in this city. 
He doesn't say, okay, the voice of him that created the world, prepare ye the world, the world, the Lord, make sure the desires that every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and the hill shall be made low. The crooked shall be made plain straight, and the rough places plain. He now says, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, and the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. So now, what was the death? What was the all crooked way straight? What was the valley made low for? So that men will see the glory of the Lord. Men will see the salvation of Jesus. But today we've used it to... We, uh, oh, every cooking way in your life will be made straight. Ah, okay. This, this is not a bad prayer. Now let's go back to our look. To, to see where... You see, see this guy. I told you Luke is actually very detailed. See this Luke guy. He just had to give us all the contents properly. All right, see now, see. See. So, so now it says, And all flesh you see the salvation of the Lord. In verse 6, Luke 3. We're in Luke 3 now. And, it's, and said he to the multitude that came forth to the baptized of him, O generations of vipers, who had warned you to flee from the road of him to come, bring forth the fruit worthy of repentance. Begin on that we say, We have Abraham, and I say unto you, God is able to raise stones unto him. And unto Abraham, and now the axe is laid onto the root of the trees. Every tree that bear forth fruit, da, 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 da. you know, see, uh, uh, look at in, uh, let's just, let's just move fast. Look at the verse 16. John answered and said unto them, I indeed baptize unto them. Uh, look at the verse 15. And the people were his expectation, and all men were amused on the heart of John, whether he were Christ or not. You know, say, ah, John answered, saying unto them. So look at, you know, other writers just gave us, uh, John indeed baptized the water. This guy walked us through us. Look, walk us through why he said the statement. Let's read it too. Let's let, let's not even. I was trying to be fast before, but let me walk you through why the guy said the statement. All right, let's start for verse ten that we stopped. Um, <laughs> see, you, you really cannot rush Bible study. I'm trying to rush it, and the thing is not making me rush. <laughs> see, and people ask that same thing. Say, what shall we do now? With all you have said, okay. <laughs> What can we? What, what, what do you want us to do? So you say, okay, the, the, the valley shall be made low. The valley, the, the, what, okay, what do, you, I say, what do you want us to do? He now answered and said unto them, He that had two coats, let him impart unto him that had none. And he that had meat, let him do likewise. He now says, And he came unto the publicans and to be baptized and said, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact, no more that which is appointed to you. And the soldiers likewise demanded of them, say, Ah, what shall we do? And the answer that said, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any man falsely, be content with your wages. Ah, ah. He's just, this guy was just causing his bad dream. He just wanted to, because he has a voice, say, because they are so, it's, like, it's just like telling Nigerian soldiers, I say, Don't, don't oppress anybody again. Just, <laughs> he says, and the people were in expectation, and all men mused. He said, the people were in expectation, and all men mused in their heart of John, whether he were Christ or not. Ah, ah, this is what you are just talking. Are you, are you sure you are not the Christ? The way you are just talking, are you sure you are not that Christ that the, all the prophets... Because, now, why, why did... Don't forget, this. the audience are the Jewish people. The Jewish people are expected to know the Torah. They are expected to know the, 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 the Genesis to Malachi. See, I, I, I think it was it not Tuesday I was teaching you and I said that uh, the, the, it's, the way the Jews grew up is such that from the ages of 6 to, to uh, what is it, from the ages of 5 to 6 to 12, they are put under a Jewish rabbi to learn the Torah, to learn the books. So by the time they are 12, they know it at heart. Just like how in our own day, in our own world now, 
we we are in a more cosmopolitan world such that the first things we are learning is a b c d a for apple b for ball b for this in their own world in the jewish world they are so religious that what they want their own children to learn first is genesis in the beginning god said let there be light that, that's what they want to learn so imagine a Jew, so you, so so they so in their mind they had an expectation that they say Christ coming. So when he spoke, ah, uh, uh, the way you are just giving decrees, teaching the scriptures, say ah, talking like somebody that are you really the Christ? So Janina answered and said, so you see, you see Luke, right? Luke is very detailed. But all that's not that we have read. We've read Matthew, we've read Mark. They just said, John, you better you water. So Jonah answered and said unto them, I indeed will baptize you with water, but there is one coming that will comment the lashes whose shoes are worthy to loose, shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, he shall thoroughly purge his flower, and gather the wheat into the Ghana, and shall burn the shower with unquenchable fire, and many other things in his exhortation preached he unto his people. So he was preaching, right? Now, look at John. Let's look at John's account. We've seen Luke. Let's look at John. John 1. Is it making sense to you guys? Are you enjoying this? Yes, sir. You have to enjoy it too. Bible study is sweet, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, look at John 1, 23. It says, And he said, I'm the voice of the one cried to the wilderness, uh, make straight to the will of the Lord, as the prophet has said. You know, this one did not tell us the valley we made, no, this is a just went straight. So, and they were asking the Pharisees, they said, and they asked him, I said, okay, why baptize thou if thou shalt not Christ, no Elijah is a prophet? And Jonah said, I said, I baptize you with water, and there one standeth one among you, whom ye know not, but is he who is coming after me, who is preferred is what you have untied. And these things were done in Beth Barbara beyond Jordan. John gave us a bit of details too. Beth Barbara beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing, and the next day, John seeth Jesus and said unto him, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh the sins of the world. This is you, who I said after me, that commented after me, which is before me, and which was before me. And I knew him not, but he shall be made manifest to Israel. Therefore I come baptizing him with water. Are you seeing it? So, wait, we'll get there. And John bear record saying, I saw in the Spirit, and say, um, descending from heaven like a dove, and then above unto him, and I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Unto him thou shalt see the Spirit descending, remain on him. The same is baptized with the Holy Ghost. So, now look at it. Let's, let's do some. Let's go back to our Matthew. I want us to stay on Matthew in this series. But let's go. Let's, let's, let's see. So, but we've seen all that text, right? Let's do, let's do our contextual analysis from Matthew. Then we'll, we'll, we'll just look at Matthew, 1 verse 1 to, Matthew 3 verse 1 to 16 contextually. Then we'll now answer some vital questions like uh, what was to be fulfilled? Why did John baptize with water? Then we'll just look at some questions like that and then we'll start eating the home run gradually. Let me see. Are you enjoying this? Yes. Okay, let's go back to our Matthew 3 verse 1. I want us to stay on that as cause of this series because it's just an entire. Why I like that one is just because it's an entire chapter that was just dedicated about the baptism. So it's very. It's, so it will give us a more, um, let me see, more fixed um, text 
on this one because throughout the entire the whole Matthew 3 was just about John's baptism and all of those things. So now I will just do some contextual analysis of that and we'll just be able to look at what he's saying. Now look at in verse 1. It says in those days that John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea came. Now when he says the word preaching, preaching is from the Greek word caruso and it implies to announce, to proclaim. Uh, you know, I, I think I taught you this in Bible uh, uh, the believer and the ministry, chapter three or two, uh, I think chapter one or two, I don't know. Um, the difference between preaching and teaching. Uh, so it's uh, preaching is when you proclaim, announce, right? It's like saying like you're a town crier. Uh, hey, this the gospel is about this. Just like when we go for evangelism, uh, going for outreach, what are we doing? We are preaching. But when we come to church and we are studying God's word, that's teaching of God's word. Are you getting what I'm saying? There must be that uh, uh, distinction in, in the ministry of Jesus where we preach the gospel, we announce, we proclaim, we just, we're just giving them facts that, hey, guys, this is it. It is now when they are saved, we now start the work of, okay, this is what happened to you that day. You know, what we study in church is we are just telling, taking you back to what happened to you that very day you received Christ. That's all. And it's, uh, we're just letting you what you received that day. So, pro, so, Preaching from the Greek word keruso, K-E-R-U-S-S-O, and it implies to announce, to proclaim, and it implies that certain information was made known by announcing. So when he says John the Baptist, uh, John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness, so we can say he was announcing, right? He was proclaiming, he was sounding an alarm, right? He was shouting, he was doing all of those things. So in verse two, we are doing now we are doing contextual analysis now, like text by text. All right, now so in verse two, he now says. Repent ye, and he's saying, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So when he says repent, that word repent is from the Greek word methanonio. Methanonio, repent. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Are you, are you, I hope you are learning something, Sha. Yes, sir. Is it, is it making sense? Yes, sir. Uh, metha. M-E-T-A. N O E O Methanonio. And this implies a change of thinking. You know, a lot of us have used the word repent today to mean something. Mm -mm. Repent in the Greek is from the word this word. I think I touched this in forgiveness of sin. And it means a change of thinking, a change of mindset. When we say somebody, when we say, I repent. It means I change my mindset. I, 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 just like saying a sinner is repenting. It means the sinner is changing his mindset to see a new thing he has not seen. Are you getting what I'm saying? He's changing his mindset. He's changing his... But all of us used to think of repentance. Well, close your eyes. Close your eyes. Close your eyes and repent. Close your eyes. Now talk to God and be repenting. <laughs> it's a change of mindset. A change of... You know, as I'm teaching you, you know, this series now is repentance. Hope you know. It's going to change your mindset. You just repented. <laughs> That's what teaching of God's word does. Okay. So, it's, it is changing of thinking, change of mindset. And so, his message was concerning the kingdom of heaven. And he asked men to repent. So, he was asking men to change their thinking, right? Asking men to change their mindset. 
asking men, giving them a distinction between his message and what he practiced. So when he says, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is like that. So he was telling them, see guys, change your mindset to change your thinking about this. Are you seeing it now? Now look at it in verse 3. It says, for this is he that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, makes his way paths. And make a straightway path. This, I, I, like we, we, we've read the reference from Isaiah 40 and all of those things. And I've told you earlier that every prophet is distinguished by their utterances concerning Christ. And uh, what it says, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, praying the will of the Lord. It was referring to utterances concerning Christ. Now, when it says the voice of uh, the voice of the one, that word voice from the Hebrew word koi, Q-O-L, Q-O-O-L, it means to call aloud or a proclamation. And it was used to preach. It was used to, it was just basically to preach. I think I, I explained this in Let There Be Light, right? So it says voice. So, and it says, it says, prepare ye the way of the Lord. When it says prepare ye, it's from the Hebrew word pana. It means to thorn. When it says prepare ye the way of the Lord, you see that word used a lot in the Old Testament. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. That word prepare there is from the Hebrew of Pana. Why am I using the Hebrew? Because it's from, they brought the word from the, from the Old Testament. Are you seeing it? So that word is from the word Pana, P-A-N, Hebrew word Pana, P-A-N-A-H, P-A-N-A-H. And it applies to thorn or to face. It was used for a change of focus. To thorn or to face. It was used for a change of focus. Let, let, let's look at how... Let's look at some references of that word Pana. Genesis 18.22. Now, why am I using Old Testament? You should know now. Because that prepared the way of the Lord was escapulated <laughs> by Matthew from Isaiah. Are you seeing it? Okay. Look at Genesis 18.22. You should be there. He says, are you there? He says, and the men turned their faces. Can we say Pana? Turn their faces, right? Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Prepare, like to change, to thorn. Since a men thorn their faces from thence towards Sodom. You know. Look at uh, Genesis 24, verse 49. Genesis 24, verse 49. It says, And now, if you would deal with me kindly with my masters, tell me. And if not, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Pana, right? I may turn to the right hand or the right hand. Look at Exodus 2, 12. Exodus 2, 12. And he looked this way and that way. Pana, right? It says, and he looked this way and that way. Look at Exodus 7, 23. We're looking at that word pana. So when it says the word Prepare, that word prepare, like I told you, is the word panha, P-H-A, the Hebrew word panha, P-H-P-A-N-A-H, panha, and it applies to turn or to face, and it was used to change your focus. All right, look at Exodus 7.23, it says, and Pharaoh thorned and went into his house. It says he thorned, panha, right? All right, look at Exodus 10, 6. Exodus 10, 6. It says, And 
They shall fill their houses and the house of their servants, which neither their servants have seen the day went upon. It says, and they thorned themselves out from Pharaoh. So that's what Pana, right? So it's clearly seen that the word prepare or Pana in the Hebrew language, it means a change of focus to thorn to a side, to turn from something to a side, to turn one's focus to something else. So, what was John the Baptist doing? He says, this is the voice of the one in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. So, can we say, thorning their attention away or thorning their focus to something, right? Can we say that? So, that what John the Baptist was preparing their attention, turning their attention to Christ, right? Right? Okay. Now, it's going to make sense very soon. Don't, don't forget, we have already seen the word repent. I would say repent means change of mindset, change of thinking, and all of those things. Okay. So now, this account is the use of the word repent also, when it says methanonio. And so, it was announcing the will of the Lord. So, in verse 8, it now says something. It said, bring forth therefore fruits for repentance. That word repentance, like we say methanonia or methanonia. New or metanonia. This is the verb. The the um noun is methanonia. This is the noun. This is the verb. Verb form. Noun form. The Bible is very academical. Uh, as I'm just saying, it's very academic because you have to you have to pay attention to so many details. It's, it's, not a, it's not a tea party anyway. So anyway, it shows, it shows us that beyond the practice of, of baptism, there was a focus on John's message. John's message as a prophet concerning the Lord Christ. We're going to study what was John's message. What was he preaching? Because the baptism was just something. We have to address his real message. And we are looking at it gradually. Look at it in verse 5 and 6. It says, And I went out from Jerusalem and Judea and the other region and around about Jordan and were baptized of him and Jordan confessing their sins. So that is, if you observe carefully there, you notice that men came to him to be baptized of water in Jordan. So John's baptism was by water. Are you seeing it? John's baptism was by water. In verse 7 and 10, you will see that, or in verse 7 to 10, you see that he was talking to the Pharisee. Uh, I'm doing a contextual analysis of it because so, so that if you want to answer people's question one day, especially from this text, you can be able to come back to this and explain it properly to them. In verse 7 to 10, you see that he was talking to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the doctors of the law, and the statement he was meant, and if you notice from that statement, it meant that they came to be baptized of him. Uh, so they came to baptize. Look at it, verse 11. Um, it says, I indeed baptize you with water. So he made, so what John did here now was now to make a distinction. He was making a distinction of the baptism, of what he has come to do and what Jesus has come to do. He says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that is coming after me, who, who is mightier than I? Whose shoe am one worthy to bear? He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. So this shows that John's baptism was to prepare the way of the Lord as seen in Isaiah prophecy, right? Isaiah 40 verse 3 prophecy. And it was also to point 
their attention to Jesus? Can we say that's a change of focus? Can we say that that's the repreparation? Changing their mind, right? Turning their minds towards something, right? Can we call that repentance? So, can you say that his message is repentance because he was changing their mindset? I see, guys, oh, ah, I'm not the one. Oh. There is this guy coming. So, just as the prophet did, so he pointed the differences in their baptisms. So, he says, Whose shoes and what? He says, Who is mightier than I? That word mightier is from the Greek word, Usuros. You know that word mighty in Ephesians 1, Usuros. And it means powerful. Who is greater? You can see that was also used in Mark 6, verse 27. We've read that earlier. Mark 6, 27. Luke 3, 16. Luke 11, verse 21 to 22. Mark 6, 7. Mark 6, 27, sorry. Luke 6, 6. Luke 6, uh, Luke 3, 16. And um, Luke 11, 22. So you can see that word used. That's uh, Isherus. So now, he pointed out that the baptism with the Holy Ghost is greater than that of water. Are you seeing it? Let's read it again. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. Right? So that is, the water was so that their eyes will also change. <laughs> their mindset will change. And I said, but there is one who is coming. Who cometh after me is, he said, the one who, who cometh after me is mightier. That is, is greater. Is powerful. That's the word mightier there. Whose shoes I'm not ready to bear, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. So he pointed out, so what he was pointing out here is that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is greater than that of water. Are you seeing it, guys? So he's showing us that, see, oh, there is a baptism and there is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I think it makes sense now when I was talking in, in the first session on uh, this tongues issue. Because how do you want to rule out the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Okay, so it's, if you don't believe in tongues, What's now the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Fire entering inside you. Say, oh, fire. How do you, how do you know the fire is burning inside you? I don't know if you get what I'm saying. And he says he is greater. Now, let's look at our fire. Our fire, he says, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Our fire is from the Greek word Paul. P, not, <laughs> I know Gen Z word has changed this this is the Greek word. No. <laughs> the Gen Z word, P U R. The Gen Z word changes the word. This is the Greek. <laughs> this is the Greek word for fire. <laughs> it was figuratively used in the Bible language to imply judgment. And um, in Bible language, when you see fire, many of times it implies judgment. Another reference shows that the word fire uh, used by Luke for this event did not have the word fire. If you see other places where they use it, it did not have the word fire and all of those things. So, the question is, okay, so now, he now says, whose shoes, he says he shall baptize with the Holy Ghost and fire, uh, whose fan is in his hand, shall totally purge. And now this is a scripture too. This is a, they, they, they are quoting um, uh, Malachi 4, when it says, whose hand, uh, whose hand is in his hand, he shall totally purge. This is um, a prophecy in Malachi 4. And shall gather his wheat unto the Ghana, he shall burn with, uh, with shaft and unquenchable fire. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee unto Jordan 
to be baptized. In verse 15, let's look at verse 15. That word suffer, when it says suffer it be so now, that word suffer is from the, it's an English word used by the King James writer to mean allow. When, when, the, King, when the King James, you know this, I've always told you when you're reading King James, if you see a word in italics, it means it was not written by the author, it was not written by, it was, not, it was added by the translators. If you see, so if you see the word suffer, say suffer them not to, it's like say allow them not to, it's just like it's King James' way of King James' language. I know I, when I was, a, uh, some years ago, many years, I took a class on the King James, uh, on King James, just, just out of curiosity, my, my advisor then, years, that was years ago. Uh, that, was, eh, that was my maybe like my hundred level. I be a first year. Be first year is called freshman. Eh, I was, yeah, they, they said, uh, take a letter. I said, I just saw a class there. I think after that six semester, I didn't offer it again. That was IPU. I then said, um, King James. Ah, me too. I was so curious. I wanted to learn what about King James. T, the King James, King James name. Uh, it was so tough, difficult. We were just reading things, reading so many. So many histories, my, and you have to. The teacher will just come. In what date did this happen? He what? I said, hey, who sent me? <laughs> but I mean, I I enjoy certain things in the class. I was able to learn how they were able to use their words and write. In fact, the, the, the Bible was this thing we call King James Version. It's not as if it's King James that wrote it. Too. It's just because it was written in their era. They now attributed it as a King James. Does it make sense? That's what happened. It wasn't as if it's King James, the, the King James that wrote the Bible. Uh, you can't do anything in that season and not call it King James in that in that era. It was a very, I think it was a bit of a tyrannical era also. And um, well, anyway, that's, that's, so when you say the word suffer, it implies to allow. So the words, it's, so when it says suffer it be so, when it says be so, don't forget, you see that that word is in italics now, you see? Right, if you are using Kenya, you see that that's be, it be so is in italics. That means it was not written by the originals. So it implies that it was it was just to prevent, it was just to let the words be fuller or to uh, what do you think we can put here? What do you think we can put here? Uh, Suffer it be now. That's how it be so. <laughs> you know. So so now, when it says. So that was so far it now. So we can simply say a light to be now. Abi? Right? Okay. So that word now is from the Greek word atis. It means right now, this moment. It means right now, this moment. It now says, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. When it says becometh, it was translated from the Greek word prepo, p r e p o, and and it implies. Proper, it means proper. It means proper. So when it says become it, um, for thus it become it. So it means for thus it is proper uh, to fulfill our righteousness. So that's what it's saying. Um, so the word us, become it us, that word us refers to both Jesus and John in that conversation, as you know. So for thus it become it us, you know, that is me and you to fulfill our righteousness. Um, that will fulfill, that will fulfill is from the Greek word plero. It means to accomplish, to complete a task. Plero. P-L-E-P-R. No, 
Das ist umgenannt. Pihelhi. P-L-I-H-O-O. Lerlo. And it implies to accomplish or to complete a task. So what was to be fulfilled? So what was the, what's the thing they want to fulfill? Don't forget it says to fulfill all righteousness. The word all. And I've always told you when you see the word all, all must be used in context. All does not mean the whole thing in the world. All must be viewed in context because it refers to all this. There's a specific detail. What are the all these? It applies to, no, it refers to all that John has spoken concerning Jesus. That is the word, and that's basically what it is, is it, to fulfill all righteousness. It means what you have said is reply for me to come and complete what, I, what you have said. And um, the word righteousness in this context means what was written in the scriptures concerning John and Jesus. So it refers to the fulfillment of the words of the prophet, to fulfill all righteousness. So this will refer that in being baptized by John will be Jesus fulfilling prophecy. Are you seeing it? So, I want to say fulfill now, that is to accomplish, complete the task. I need to complete this. I need to accomplish this task, right? So now, the big question in the room, why did Jesus, why did John baptize with water? That's the big question in the room. And um, I think, now see, let me give you, let me give you a background. Let me, let me answer the question very straight and direct. It was to prepare men for ministry. It was to prepare men for ministry because his ministry was to point them to Christ. It was to prepare men for Christ because his ministry was to point them to Christ. Don't forget, in Matthew 3 verse 2, he said, John was preaching for men to repent. So the word repentance means a change of mindset. So it means to turn one's attention from one thing to another. So if somebody... Hmm, Look at, mm, let me show you something quickly. Then we'll take a break. I will come back and we'll now deal with it very well. Look at Matthew 3. Um, not Matthew 3. Look at, go to Act 19. I want to show you something. I want to get your minds thinking. Then we'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll set to it clearly. Maybe we may even finish this today. Let's, maybe. But the way we are moving. Everything is possible. Look at something. At 19, I want you to think. Hmm. Look at verse 3. Now, this was Paul when he came to Ephesus, Abby, when he came to Ephesus here. Yeah. In verse 3, are you there? He says, and he said unto them, unto what were ye baptized? And they said, look at what they said. They said, unto John baptism. Look at what Paul now said. And I want you to think. In verse 4, he said, John verily baptized with what? Uh-uh, uh-uh. Read it. John verily baptized with what? Saying unto the people that they should believe on him who should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, look at it too. They were baptized in the name of Jesus. Ah. Now, look at something. Do you know that? It's not as though Paul preached a new thing for them. Think, think. Look at, okay, see. Look, let's start from verse 2. 
Or let's start from verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth and Paul having passed through the upper course of Ephesus, finding certain disciples, and he said unto them, have you, be- have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And they said, ah, we've not heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. So. In verse 3, they now said, unto what were you now baptized? They now said, unto John baptism. Look at what he said. Paul now started, you know, that's the place of knowledge. Paul now started with what they know. And said, John verily baptized with baptism of repentance. Saying unto the people that come, that they should believe on him, that should come after him, that is Jesus Christ. So, do you know now, can you and I say, John preached Jesus? Can you agree now? That John's message was Christ's message. Do you see that? Do you see that? Look at something. Look at verse 5. Let's read verse 5. See, when they heard this, what happened? They were baptized in the name of the Lord. That's belief. They believed in Jesus immediately. So they were just following. So that means they, just like you and I in our world today, they had a false impression of John's ministry. You know, you and I just think John the Baptist is just baptizing with water. Mm-mm. Mm. We are going to look at it. That was not what his ministry was about. He was a preacher of the gospel. Just like every other prophet. He was not. So, what was the significance of the water in his ministry? That's what we want to look at. But don't forget, we've already read that. The essence of that water was to point to Christ. Was to show Christ to the Jews. So, meaning, the Jews will see Jesus being baptized. See that dove. See all of those things and say, oh, that's the person we are waiting for. We're going to we're, we're going to explore this more. So we we'll look at something. Let, let, let's end this. Let's end this section by saying this. Look at in Matthew three verse two. Let's go to Matthew three verse two. Let's end this session and we'll pick it up from here in the next session. He says, "Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." And don't forget, we already said repentance means a change of mindset, right? A change of thinking. And we said, when it says, prepare ye the way of the Lord, and makes it, we said, pana, right? And it means to turn one's attention from one thing to another. So, what was John doing? John was pointing them to Christ by asking them to change their mindset towards Christ, who was to come and take away their sins. Don't forget that John 1, verse 29. Behold, let us see it. This is the Lamb of God which take care of the sins of the world. John told them. Now see, point, don't forget, John now told us in John 3 verse 30, he says, I must decrease that he may increase. So, he prophesied, he was prophesying from Isaiah that prepare ye the way of the Lord and that will prepare from the Hebrew word that is they should turn their face. Turn their face and see this reality that Christ is come now. So what was John doing with his message? He was showing them, pointing their direction towards something. All right, let's 